Welcome to The Real Deal, Mind, Spirit, and Body, featuring Dr. David Granoff and Dr. Mark Kalina, produced by Kalinoff Productions. One fancy sound to introduce our new podcast, Welcome to the Real Deal, with Dr. Mark Kalina and Dr. David Granoff. Now, we both hope that sounds really impressive to anybody who happens upon this, but we don't really want you to get caught up in our titles because this, this podcast, which is our idea, after Mark being in the medical profession for how many years? 30 years. And I've been a psychologist for 25. Uh, our idea was that there is a medical industrial complex that is not in hum- humanity's best interest. And we want to talk about our experience. We want to talk about our struggles. We want to talk about our ideas, not as gurus from up on the mount. We're no Deepak Chopras. We're just two guys who, who struggle through life just like all, all you other poor slobs. We just want to, we, we work hard to figure it out, but there's so much bullshit in the world and in the medical world that we want to just talk about our perspectives and hope that it empowers people to become the authors of their own health and wellness. How's that for a, uh, an introduction? I like that. I like, I like real. I like truth. And there's so much that is not real. One of my favorite books and kind of my spiritual teaching what is called The Course of Miracles. And the founding principle of The Course of Miracles is the world is insane. So what would you like to do about that? I love that. I love I, that. I like that book. I like that philosophy. Because to me, the world is totally crazy. And if we just go along with the world, and I tried. I tried my best until I got sick and broken and couldn't even get around the block anymore. And I tried so hard, and I like being a doctor, and I like helping people. And the world and the medical establishment is crazy and their expectations are crazy that we can, that we as doctors, as primary care doctors can take care of people and, and, and take care of 25 or 20 or 30 in a day, 10 minute visits, and we can make them well with a bunch of pills that really have already been proven not to work. And, or they do work, <coughs> But they're band-aids and they cover up the, the underlying thing, which is feelings and emotions and, and challenges that make it okay so you can keep going in this world and, and just produce. And that just to me is not okay. And it really is, a, it's been a, a process of usurping the individual's own authority for their well-being. Uh, with our commercialism, with our capitalism, Everything you see and hear is about that you will be happier if you buy our product. You will be happier if you take these pills. You, will, right? you are no longer responsible or even have the authority to make your life better. And it's a, it's a horrific, horrific message. Um, I just recently had a 14 or 15-year-old boy come into my practice because, and this was the presenting problem, he was sad. Well, now, I suppose sadness, when it comes to grief and being stuck in grief, is, is an issue 
that we can medicalize, perhaps. Perhaps. But this was a kid who was sad, and his mother reacted to this sadness with anxiety. Oh, there's something wrong. So this is uh, an example, at least I thought at first, and it was confirmed, of the pathologizing of human experience. We have to pathologize it, name it something, so that it's outside of ourselves. There's nothing we can do about it. We have to go to someone else to tell us what it is and to take a pill or have a procedure to get it fixed. So I asked this kid about his feelings, and he said he was sad, and he was really scared that he was sad because he'd never been sad in his memory before. I remember being 14, right? That was out of the realm of at least some of our experience. And I talked to him about his life, right, and what was going on, and there were some things that made him sad. He had been not invited to a party. He had been rejected by some friends. He had had some really painful 14, 15-year-old life experiences that the natural human response to would be sadness. And so we talked about that, and we normalized that, and you know what happened with this kid? He felt better. And his mom wasn't as fearful, as anxious. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing. Those are the kind of stories, even though that's very brief, that I want us to, to share and talk about because I learned so much from you. And, and we, the reason we're doing this together is because we have been friends for 40 years. 40 years. Dude, you're old. <laughs> you are officially old. <laughs> How did it happen? I don't know, but it happened. And we've had some really remarkable experiences over those 40 years separately. But when we come back together, which is not all that often, because you live in beautiful Del Mar, California, and I live in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. It doesn't roll off the tongue as easily as Del Mar does. And so we don't see each other very often, but every time through these 40 years that we've gotten together to talk, I have learned something from you. I have learned something. I have felt supported. I have felt connected and known in ways that I don't get very often in my life. And so we really, we really have what I'm going to call, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this on, on air here. We have really a love relationship that goes back 40 years. But not that there's right the old Seinfeld line, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But that's, that's my appreciation for you, and your meaning in my life is that important. So I wanted us to do this for my primary reason was because I wanted to see you. And it gave me an excuse because I have an issue, work issue. It gave me an excuse to come out and visit you. But the secondary reason for me is that, that people really are being duped and misguided in a profound way. And maybe in talking about our experiences, we can touch a few people and help them make different choices than just going down the medical industrial rabbit hole. And going back to that kid you saw, the 14-year-old kid, and that's actually when we met, or somewhere around 14, 15, <coughs> and I would say, and we weren't at the same school, so we weren't friends. Actually, we were, we were rivals then. That's a whole other story. But... So when I was 14, I remember the summer after 8th grade, my two best friends, they became really close, and I, they excluded me. Mm. And I, did, I had no language for that. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know who to talk to about it. I certainly wasn't going to tell my parents, and I certainly didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And so my solution for that was to smoke pot. 
And I started doing that when I was in ninth grade, which was early for that. And people were doing it, but I did it, I was doing it by myself. And, and, it, and that, that was the bottom line, is my two best friends didn't want me to be in the club anymore. I got excluded. I, I haven't even thought about that, but I now realize that to be true. That was a big thing. And again, and I think that's a big part of my ride because everything I believe now in medicine is about connection, connection to self, connection to others, and connection to the universe, spiritual connection. That is what brings health. And without that, nothing's gonna go well. And that, that's an, that was my first lesson. When I was 14, I didn't have David Granoff to go talk to. I didn't get, there were no, I, there was no going to therapy at my house. And, and Mine neither, by the way. Right. I don't think it was, it was common experience Anybody. back then. That's right. No, none of us did that. There was never talking about it or being with it or working through it. And so, yeah, so that, that's a that's a fundamental thing. I feel for that kid. I'm glad that kid got to talk to you. And that's an that's evolution that the world doesn't have to do it just with pills or pot or or alcohol or food. I mean, that's where we are. That is the standard in the world. I mean, people medicate feelings and make them go away. And food works, cigarettes work. Drugs work, alcohol works, TV is probably the best one. It's don't feel your feelings at all costs. And I think our, our, our experience, which is totally separate worlds, is still is the, the, the real deal way to handle that feelings is to feel them, express them, share them, and they will, they will go away. They will not become so giant to overwhelm you. Right. And so one of the things when I, I I'm a psychologist, but I, I don't really identify as a psychologist. So when I do something that I think a psychologist would say or do, I'm, I'm, I'm always a little tickled and pleased, right? Oh, I, I guess I really am a psychologist. And, and that is one of the things I tell many, many, many people. And I have to remind myself many, many, many times is that feelings are just information. It's all they are. Like like clouds in the sky, they pass by, and of course if you don't cling on to them, right, they'll pass by and they give us information about ourselves and they give us information about our relationships to the world. And if we look at feelings like that, even negative feelings, particularly negative feelings, right? Negative feelings, what do we mean by that? Anxiety, which is just our medicalized term for fear, really. Uh, uh, shame, uh, sadness, the things that uh, it seems the American culture is terrified of, if we, if we look at them as feelings, then we can understand ourselves and our, the world around us better and then make decisions accordingly, rather than out of fear trying to make them go away, which is fueling right now a billion-dollar industry or multi-billion dollar industry. Maybe trillion dollar. You, you know, you're probably yeah. right. And, and, and there are new industries coming about. I work in a place that's integrative medicine, and so we don't just do pills. 
pharmaceutical pills and procedures, which we do do, because I'm an internist, internal medicine, so I'm still in the medical world. And now we, there's a whole supplement business, and, and, and my boss, when she gives her talk, she says, ill to the pill and sick to the supplement. It's these, these external ways of fixing ourselves, or the way the medical industrial complex fixes, is take this outside of yourself, rather than work with it yourself. Mm. Rather than learn to be with these hard feelings, anger, sadness, shame, guilt, rather than be with them, <coughs> take this and you'll be okay. And I think what we, our common thing is learn to be with it, talk about it, get, share it, and, and learn to use the body to physically work through it. I mean, there, there is still good old-fashioned ways of exercise and, and uh, healthy ways to work through dark emotions that we all share. And as long as we don't get stuck, we're alive and we're, we're moving and we're working on things, figuring things out, and life is still hard. That's the other illusion that, that the medical industrial complex does not want to acknowledge. Life is difficult. I had a wonderful couple come to my office last week. He was 76 and she was 75. And they came into my office to do couples therapy after being married for 30 years. I loved that they were there. And a real tribute and a reminder to me that we, as my mentor Tom Levin said, we are doing our work until we're six feet under. And the tribute to their love is that they came, they were both frustrated and unhappy with each other at this moment, but the, they, they loved each other enough, they wanted to work on to make it better. And lots of people don't want to do that, so I was so pleased to work with them. Wow. And it's such a wonderful experience. So, let me just say where the real deal came from. Because I think, I think I said it in our first recording that I forgot to record, <laughs> so I'm going to say it again. I ran a group last year uh, of parents, mothers mostly, of, of students of a, of a private school in the Cleveland area. And at the end of that group, it went on through, it was, uh, we met maybe once a month for a year. At the end of the group, one of the mothers came up to me and said, David, you are the real deal. And it's not always easy for me to take in compliments, but I took a breath and I said, thank you. And I thought about that for a moment because... There's nothing more I would rather be perceived as than the real deal. And I think you too are the real deal. People think we're crazy half the time, and yet we tell people and we, what we see is our truth and the truth that around us, and we give them information and we relate to them in a way differently not that we're the only ones that do this. There's a, there's a whole industry outside of the medical industrial complex, but we do that, we, we work in the context of relationship always. And that's probably been the human wisdom from the beginning of time, right? That we survive and do better when we're connected with others. Yes. And there's a dearth of legitimate, authentic human connection these days. So you and I are going to stay busy. That's not an issue. Right. But how do we help people not abdicate responsibility or even understanding that they have the authority and the power 
to make their lives better without taking pills, usually, without having a procedure, often. And life, you know, we all think America is about the rugged individualist, and the truth is life is better with team. We all have our unique gifts and things, and when we come together with other people who have other gifts, different gifts, and can have an honest, open, real relationship and still be ourselves, but also respect other people, I think it goes way better. It goes back to team sports, and the team that wins is never the, just the team with the most talent or the greatest player. I guess sometimes that happens, but overall, it's, and we, we, Dave and I, we love basketball. We learned this from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't do anything. He was the greatest player on the planet, but he didn't do anything until he got on a team and he supported his team, and it wasn't just all about Michael. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, I, don't, I can't remember what we recorded and what we didn't record, <laughs> but that's how we met, is that we were point guards uh, with, in rival schools. So we played basketball against each other for four or five years going through high school. Yeah. And so we were point guards, and we still are point guards. We still have that mentality. Right. We both want to, our value is not being the leading scorer. It's setting other people up to be scorers. That's right. To, 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 setting, to create team and create a oneness as opposed to us being stars. I, I think that's a nice way to end it. What I'd like to do is take a break because this is actually more tiring than I thought it would be. I see. And, yeah. and what I'd like to do is I'd like to come back for the next segment and, and talk about the thing that gives us credibility, our training and our, and our professional histories. You okay with that? Yeah.